In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? And so much more. Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. David, uh, do your summer plans involve going to Fire Island by any chance? You know, my autumn plans might. Oh, really? We're we're we're, to- we're talking about we're talking about doing some off season Fire Island. Oh, I'm intrigued with with a John Butler, perhaps. Oh, I like the sound of that. Um, maybe, maybe I I cannot afford a summertime Fire Island myself. I've I've dipped in. For a day or two at a time, here and there. Uh, oh, I think you're what we call a day tripper. Or a day, well, our our, mm-hmm. our guest will mm-hmm. clarify that. I've never been. I, I feel like after I've listened to um, the podcast that our guest created that I have been, I, it has certainly been an education. I'm more intrigued than ever. I'm more scared than ever of it. Yeah, it's it, it's it's intimidating. It's also like, can you afford it emotionally? And physically, mm-hmm. that is, seems to be mm-hmm. the um, the bigger question. But let's bring our guest into the conversation. She's the creator and let's executive producer and host of the excellent new podcast, Finding Fire Island. Also the host of the podcast, Hot Takes and Deep Dives, Jeth Rothschild. Hello. I'm familiar with it. Jess, how are you? Oh, my God. Oh. I actually, so Matt, I actually interviewed Dave during covid for hot takes where we may have conjured up the the real world homecoming because that did not exist oh, wow. at the time we we went deep on on real world and then like as soon as i released that episode they started doing the homecoming seasons for the oh, real that's world. not a coincidence yeah no we uh we secreted that we yeah. uh, we manifested that so jess what are you uh, hot taking and diving deeply into right now well, I mean, we'll get into Fire Island, but Matt, like Matt, I am, and, and just like that head. Oh, let's talk. I feel like, I don't know if we're just being like gaslit into the moment, but like, is it me or did the show suddenly get good? It did. This, this and week's I know, episode. I know you believe. <laughs> yes. No, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I mean, yes. Do I believe that it has been perfect from the start? Yes. But also... I, I, I think that the last two episodes in particular, things have really come together. And, you know, Aiden's return has played a big, big part in that. When she said, when she was sort of saying, like, maybe big was a big mistake. Oh, took my breath away. I mean, do you think they planned this from the start? Was this, I mean, I know within the third movie, in the script, big was obviously always going to mm. die. And that is a lot of what we're watching on and just like that is really 
a an episodic version of the third movie script. Mm. Was this the whole plan all along to get her back with Aiden? I well, according to, to Michael Patrick, this is not. I, 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 this is just from listening to his podcast. They this was when they once they knew they had a season two, they knew it was going to be Aiden. But you know mm. where we go from here because. Yeah, I, I think that if, if things are remain this good with Aiden, it leads to a happily ever after that I, then I don't know what we're watching. So it's not that I'm rooting for them to break up, but I also kind of am because we need more story. Well, that's the million dollar mm. question is like, is there a season three? Yeah, I mean, God willing. I hope that this conversation manifests that just like you manifested um, real world homecoming. Mm-hmm. Now, I have not seen the latest episode, and I am told that there is a Kim Cattrall moment. Maybe mm, no. I saw. I, I just saw a headline. Well, that, in the in the uh, final in the final episode that has yet to air, she does a cameo. But in this week's episode, Charlotte was looking through photos, and uh, one of them was like an old group shot, and so gotcha. the character of Samantha was in that. But I didn't. That made headlines. It, I mean, it was clickbait, but it was it was it was just like in my Apple News feed, like you know, Kim Cattrall makes a surprise appearance before. Wow, that that is a reach. That is a reach. Although it is it is the it first is time we've literally seen her face in the in uh, and just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bigger thing is that there's like a, a conflict between Carrie and I won't spoil it for you, Dave, because I know you like to savor every moment of the show. Obviously, um, obviously, it, you know, there's um. There's a, a, a conflict between Carrie and one of the newer characters that has echoes of of the Samantha thing, I would say. I mean, for me, the only new character that really works is Seema. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone is all over the map. Like, so many people – I mean, everyone loves LTW. She personally doesn't do anything for me. For me, Seema is the only fully fleshed-out character. And she, they're just writing for Samantha yeah. and, like, letting her do it. Yeah. And she's, I think the actress is great. I love her. I love, yeah. I love that actress. I love the character. I agree. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I, I, all of the new characters have a place in my heart, but I agree. And I think it's because she's the one who has also had the most conflict with Carrie that they've had to get past. And like, that's when friendship becomes real is after you've been through some shit mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. you know? If they could only just, I'm telling you at this point, if they just put back the voiceover, we would really have something to like tie all the story together. Like as much as they are fighting against the Sex in the City um, yeah. formula, well, they've clearly gone back to it because it works. If they just put in the voiceover, which they should have done because she suddenly became a podcaster for two episodes, that would have been the voiceover, but. Whatever. No, maybe that's season three. They, they didn't. Just two two very quick things. Please. That are driving me crazy. Please. Uh, LTW's father is introduced by George Washington as uh, to Harry at the dinner party that nobody mm-hmm. goes to a few episodes ago. Did you just is say that, by George he, Washington? Yeah. LTW's husband is George Washington from Hamilton. Oh, yes. And yes. I don't okay. remember the character's name, yes. so I just think Her, Herbert. Yeah. Okay. So George Washington mm-hmm. says, uh, this is my father-in-law. He's an acclaimed playwright. He won the you know XYZ prize. And Harry's like, that's impressive. And it's like, I know you've just introduced a whole bunch of characters of color, but like, 
did you, beyond that, did you take the note at all? Like, is there no world in which Harry would be like, oh, I'm familiar. I know your work. Not like, you're a playwright. Good for you. It felt very condescending um, and a little, a little, I don't want to say the R word, but a little the R word. God, right? That, that did not, it just did not felt, even talk that moment. It, like, ha, I know there are new characters, but it's like, okay, what about the, the world that they exist in? Like, is that still a thing where, where Harry would have no idea who this black playwright is and be like, good for you. You're a play- you won a prize. And Harry's a lawyer. Like, do we think that that Harry knows who any playwrights are? Well, but no, none of the characters make any sense anyway. So why, why wouldn't he have been like, oh, my God, I did a one-man version of your play, whatever, in, in college or whatever. Like, it's, it would just have been a small thing that would have suggested that maybe – the white characters and the non-white characters also share a world. Mm, okay, right? I see what you're getting. Um, the second thing is, and I had a long conversation. Here's the thing. This show drives me crazy, but I have long conversations about it. There are shows that I love that I've never had a even a short conversation about. Um, why can't Che be a Bridget Everett? Right? Instead of a, instead of a comedian... Why not let Sara Ramirez sing because she can sing the house down, and let like her star rise because she is this mega talented like cabaret person who's also sort of funny, and and like uh, Che can have a moment much like Bridget Everett is having a moment that makes sense and that is also bewildering to Miranda, um, but allows Sara Ramirez to do what Sara Ramirez does. Dave. Instead of trying to make Sara Ramirez into a comedy store comedian who jokes about people driving in L.A. You now, I mean? Dave, now Play you're really thinking. to their strengths. Now See? you're thinking. Yeah. Also, Dave, thinking. The, once again, the show's way ahead of you because Che isn't even oh. doing stand-up anymore uh, right now. Che is working at the front desk at like, a vet clinic. Oh, because it's... Because it's one or the other, you either you either you either sell that pilot, or you're in a dog rescue. There is no in between. <laughs> actually, actually, that is sort of the way that it is. Uh, yeah, but that and that's a little bit why the whole city is on strike. But very very quickly, okay. Matt, I want to ask where you're at with the new Roni. Top line, and then we'll get into Fire Island. But I, I'm dying to know where how you're feeling about the. New it's run. so interesting you ask because I have been um, scrambling to to catch up on all the Bravo shows because I, I haven't been watching anything. I'm gonna be on. Well, by the time this airs, I will. I'm gonna bartend on watch what happens, and so they. What? Uh, uh, not that they're. You know, I'm gonna talk for five seconds, but um, just in case, I wanted to be prepared, and so I watched a couple episodes last night and. I had prejudged them because I miss my older gals so much, but I gotta say, I'm coming around. I'm liking it quite a bit. Where are you? I, okay, well, I'm obsessed with Jenna Lyons. I actually had a little bit of a hand in getting her cast on the show. What? It's a long story. It, it, it It's a long story, but like, yes, like some friends and I definitely, we were the part of the ecosystem that got her cast on the show. And like, she was into friends. It's too long to even tell. It's it would take up like twenty minutes of this, but just know that. Fact. Okay. Like I'm I'm obsessed with her, and I think she's the only. I think she and Aaron 
the one who owns mm-hmm. the Sag Harbor house are the only two who are not like doing housewives. You know, they're I think authentically being themselves. Yeah. The rest are just people who have watched housewives for the past hundred years, and so they're just reenacting things that they've seen done funnier and better by our ladies. You're right. I mean, that was my problem initially is that I was like, these such these feel like they are less human and more like people who were engineered for reality TV, that they are reality TV AI in, in a way. But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm coming around on all of them. I love Uba. How do you, how do you feel about Jenna? Like, I love that she's so not made for this and therefore it makes her, she's, at the end of the day, she's the only interesting one. I agree. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know that. Do we have a show without her? Probably not. But I, it, it, it's really fun to see the contrast between someone who has a successful career outside of this franchise and doesn't really need it versus a bunch of people who do and the the tension between them. We, we always need an alpha. And um, she holds that kind of like, I hate to say it, but like Bethany space really well i'd like her to speak up just a little bit i am having in her confessionals her sort of cool breezy vibe i love i'm here for it but i am just having trouble hearing her at all times she is why i'm like why are you whispering ma'am you know so you're saying they need to like mic her Uh, something yeah just take into consideration that she is a a a quiet talker you know that she's she she's cool as her brand and she's too cool to to yell too cool to speak at full volume also in general i want my housewives way over 50 um and this is a younger crop it's but i yeah i'm warming to them uh matt you breezed right past something that we're going to have to backtrack and focus on your bartending on Watch What Happens when. Well, this will this will have it will have already happened when this when this airs, but it's going to be on Wednesday, and um, I you know going on to 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 plug the the podcasts plural obviously. Who are the guests? The guests Who are, the guests? are Heather and Terry Dubrow. Um, so I was also scrambling to watch some OC, and I have never been an OC person. Even though I have have, a, have some love for some of them, only because you're always kind of going, where were any of you on January 6th? You know, but yeah. from what I can tell, Heather has always voted correctly. You know, we've got that. That's yeah. good. That's good. So okay, have you picked out an outfit? What are you going to be sipping on? It's Wednesday. There's the Shotsky. Is Wednesday Shotsky night? I don't know. It, it's an. I know it's I an actual so. live episode, and I think maybe they're. Sometimes they pre-record and sometimes they're live. Mm-hmm. So I know that yeah. it's live. Um, I know Michael, my friend Patricia are going to come with me. And I've got a couple, you know, dumb Zara shirts that are trying to pass for something fancier than they are uh, in, in rotation. I don't know. I'm going to wear something like that. And, you know, I'm I'm hoping That's that so Dr. Dubrow um, and I will form a bond and that maybe I'll be a future client of his not on botched obviously but just in i'm looking for a free yank is what i'm saying sure i gotcha okay can't wait cannot wait so by the time this drops it'll be on demand on your <laughs> yeah on your uh, your peacock yeah. what what was your uh, uh, do you have any words of wisdom as a previous guest oh just enjoy just enjoy yourself take it all in 
Take notes. Take copious notes in your in your notes app. You'll want to remember everything. It's fun. It's super fun. And I, and I do believe Wednesday is Shotsky night, so you will be asked to bring that forward. So just you know, if you want to do some quick uh, rehearsal of that before uh, before they go live, actually carrying go it, ahead. but you're not actually pouring pouring actually any drinks. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, your drink will be refreshed at all times. So whatever it is that you're having, anytime you're not on camera, an elf will come and like fill it right back up to the top. Great. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, Jess, how did you enjoy the show that we manifested? Real World Homecoming question. You know, I thought that the New York version was mm-hmm. the most authentic one because... Sure. It, gosh, I'm trying to remember. It was like a while back. I think... It wasn't as heavily produced. I know. So I'm friendly with Danny Roberts and Melissa Beck. And so Uh by the time they got to New Orleans, it was fully produced. Like nothing like the. You know how it was like, oh, my God, Paul, the, you know, the don't ask, don't tell, you know, the Paul Mm -hmm. with the, the blur from Danny's season. I know that on the show, they're like, oh, my God, he just dropped in. First of all, they flew him in from like Seattle. That had been in the works for months and months the producers were nagging Danny to do that so every inch of it was produced at the end of it I thought at the end of the New Orleans season I was kind of like was this good I mean Julie made it good she was working overtime like she was so off the wall um I liked it I just didn't like I just wish they would have just let them be and like have it be natural yeah what did exactly. you think? What did as, you think? I yeah, I felt the same way. I, as in the original show, uh, the New York season really just seemed like let's see what happens. Like let's just put him in the loft or in the hotel room. In the case of poor COVID Eric, who we'll get to, um, like they just sort of put him in there and and hoped for the best. And good things did in fact happen. And it was it was uh, I think it was really interesting to see where they all are now. Becky has learned no lessons. Uh, it was it was interesting. Um, I thought the LA season I found very dark. Um, yeah, it, it was because uh, this is a group of people that hated each other from the very beginning. Two of them didn't even bother to show up for this. Um, uh, I, fe- I Tammy was so trying to you know uh, manufacture drama. For her to be at the center of, she was trying. She was hawking bonnets through the whole thing. Like it was just, it was very, it, it, it that hurt to watch. I felt New Orleans. I love all of those people. Uh, it was great, but yeah, no, they they definitely like had them jumping through a million hoops. Um, Julie, of course, completely unhinged. Um, I was delighted at how well Jamie aged. He is still a snack and a half. You know, I'll tide ha- you over until dinner. I have it on some good authority. I mean, a little insight tea is that Jamie was in the doghouse with his wife for the way he oh, behaved. Oh, on as he should have been. Julie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. wife was yeah. not happy. Oh, boy. I don't blame her. Yeah. That's. He, he's, his seems like a life that was interrupted and damaged by reality television from the beginning. Not so much the real world as the challenges. I think those can be really toxic for people because, you you know, you put a bunch of those people into a house and, and yeah. like, 
stock it with booze and cocaine. And it's like, I just feel like it's, you know, some people just don't come back from that experience emotionally and mentally. And I feel like he might have been one of them. Um, I Okay, so recently I interviewed Eric from season one of The Real World for a separate project. And as he kind of alludes to in uh, The Real World Homecoming, he is now like a psychedelic medicine shaman in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So you can like go there and lick a toad with him and you know scream out all of your trauma and whatever, and he'll be there in a in a caftan, and uh, he's got a great energy now. He looks terrific. Um, we had a, a very interesting conversation with him, and that's there were like it was me and three other producers, and he got off the line, and it, literally we were like, when do we go to? Oh, do mushrooms with Eric Nice. Oh my god! Like because we we were all at a ten out of ten desire level of wanting to go and do that he just seems he seems as though he's got it figured out good for him god bless him i know he's had a rough road i'd like to go i'd like you know i'd like to maybe take do 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 a live show with him oh my god that'd be fantastic homophilia field trip we'll have him we'll have him all right speaking of field trips take us to fire island uh you know I, let's tr- so let's start with just kind of like the basic building blocks of what one needs to know for any listeners who are uh, fellow Fire Island virgins, like the broad strokes, you, you know, the, the pines versus the cherry grove of it all. Yeah. So, I mean, I love that you eat. Well, so you, Matt, you haven't been, but Dave, you haven't. So I definitely want to like hear your experience. So mm-hmm. Fire Island, I think by this point, probably most listeners of this show have seen the Fire Island movie with Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang. So Fire Island is kind of like shorthand for like the home planet for gays. And it's very easy to get to from New York City, kind of like how Provincetown is very easy to get to for people who are in Boston. Fire Island is very much that for New Yorkers. And it's just like 60 miles from New York City. You get out there, you can take the train. You get on like a 20 minute ferry, you get off the ferry and it is it is if you have entered as it's as if you've entered like the Wizard of Oz where suddenly everybody is gay. So that's like the experience of like getting there and it's broken up. Well, there are actually quite a number of Fire Island communities, but the ones we focus are uh, focus on are the two gay communities, which are the Pines and Cherry Grove. And the main difference between the two is most likely if you are watching your Instagram stories and watching all of these boys in Speedos playing around in these big houses, cooking dinner, going, you know, having pool parties, dressing up like Barbie, going to tea. That is very much the Pines experience, Cherry, which, which is to say it is mostly male. It's mostly like it has a reputation and a, I think a little bit of a stereotype that is based in truth, but changing, that it is relentlessly white, male, gay dudes. That is changing, however. Cherry Grove has a fascinating history and has always been much more mixed, like lots of lesbians, lots of women, always very welcoming to drag queens. It's a big drag hangout. Uh, Lots of trans people, non-binary people, just much more honky-tonk, free-flowing, gender-bendy, fun vibe. Whereas the Pines 
I think the book, you know, it's interesting. It's it's funny because currently I'm actually standing in an Airbnb in Provincetown, oh. <laughs> which is like ironic. Mm-hmm. And I was with a friend of mine last night here who's going from here straight to the Pines. And he's like, you know, he was basically saying, you know, I have to like prepare my body. I like won't eat for a week. When I get there, I don't eat. Like, I think that the boys feel this pre- there is this pressure i think for the men in the pines to look like a pines boy which like that is a certain aesthetic and i think that's what you're referring yeah. to in terms of being scared but i also think that's changing like in the past i would say since covid there have never been i've never seen so many women in the pines like i am a woman in the pines and i feel welcomed and celebrated like i've got guys because they'll recognize me from hot takes i got guys coming up to me on the ferry like talking to me about madonna like telling me i should be interviewing like ingrid caceres Mm. who like famously fucked madonna and like broke up her relationship with sandra bernhardt like i feel i mean i understand that's not every girl's experience like i get that like (laughs) it's just unique to me but i think that my point was that I've never seen it so mixed in both gender and race. Um, There are initiatives going on to bring more black and brown people into the community. I'm seeing more homeowners that are, that are different, that aren't just like the old fogies that were the homeowners back in the day in the past. Does that explain, I know I just said a lot. Does that very much so? Yeah. And, and you know, it does, it does help. And, you know, and our friend Brian Moylan is 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 featured heavily in the show, and he has invited me to that house, and has, oh my God, is, you know, he has he has tried to assuage my fears in a similar way, where it's like, he, you know, they're they're not trying to represent that version of the Pines, but just what you said, like I, I can see myself being so worried about how I'm going to look on the beach and preparing relentlessly. And the idea of like, I don't know, being, being nervous about how you look on vacation just sounds so anti-vacation to me. But in general, I think I'm a cherry grove guy. I, in general, I'd, I'd rather be where the lesbians are. Um, I like the idea that uh, it's just a, a more welcoming vibe. Um, everything I've learned from your podcast is still making me, it's still making Cherry Grove the more appealing option. Can I, I'll tell you my favorite, my favorite brand of gay guy is a gay guy in the Grove. Mm, great. Well, I, 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 I'm hoping that I can be part of that brand one of these days. And, and even... And even Brian Oates says in the series, he's like, I, he goes, we always felt, meaning his house, we always right. felt like Cherry Grove gays in the Pines. And the only, they wanted to get a house in the Grove, but the only reason they didn't is because, well, this is the other thing I should say, and this echoes like Brian's statement. The Pines is very wealthy. Like right. it, the homes are bigger. And this goes back to, there's a whole history as to like the difference between the homes like in the grove they're quaint small cottages whereas in the pines these guys you're you're shoving like you know six to twelve guys into a four-bedroom house like joel kim booster says like they tried to break the record of like how many guys they could fit into a house just to have the opportunity to go and 
yeah like i think we hear from guys who are like oh yeah like i was always like a cherry grove gay but like in the pines because for whatever you know it is nicer it's newer there's more money it's it's the difference between cherry cherry grove is like well we would say like brooklyn like brooklyn-y queer or like the west village whereas the pines is like hell's kitchen Mm -hmm. or even like the upper east side it does have this joie de vivre about it it has like this certain something about it and it's a hornier place oh it's a much hornier place they're both pretty horny how did fire island itself how, how did it become a gay mecca to begin with when it's fascinating so in the 40 so cherry grove st- was established first and basically what happened it came through the broadway community in manhattan it was a lot of broadway dressers and backstage hands and even just like people who were like in the chorus of these broadway shows it was this underground word of mouth thing that like oh come to cherry grove like it's like a gay fantasia and so that is how it it were just spread and it was this secret underground community all through the 50s um the 50s and the 60s and i actually have um a guy who's 90 years old his name is bob rose levine rose is like his drag name he arrived in cherry grove in 1955 and he still performs today like as like a drag performer and he sings and He's 90 now and like he's in like most episodes of the series and he's unbelievable. Like it the the most feedback I've gotten is like oh I love hearing from the old timers. Like the people who cuz it's it's a mix of like the modern contemporary stuff that we're talking about with like Margaret Cho is in it and Joel Kim Booster, Matt Rogers, Brian Moylan, but then I also have people who've been there from the 6 you know the 50s, 60s, 70s to like it grounds it in like a reality yeah you mentioned in the podcast that i I think part of your initiation into fire island your fire island origin story kind of stems from a breakup that's funny well i've been going to fire island for like 15 years like i'm a native new yorker but i would say i became more entrenched in the community The, the it was a byproduct Um, because I always used to go to Hampton. I was in a very long relationship, like over eight years, and it ended literally like three weeks before New York shut down Mm. in COVID. And it was like unexpectedly, like I was very blindsided. It was like a very shocking situation. And I, that summer, you know, we always used to go out to the Hamptons. My ex, she hated Fire Island actually, which is ironic. And that whole summer I kept like bouncing between the Hamptons and feeling so lonely still trying to like live my old life but like alone it you know it was very awkward and also like COVID was going on but then a friend of mine was working at a guest house in the Pines he's like come out like I remember he texted me a photo of the beach in like early June of 2020 I was like where are you he's like girl he's like I'm gonna be in the Pines all summer come out and I have him, I mean, it was just life-changing. That whole summer was when I really started, really started becoming obsessed with the history. Because it's not all, the hist. like what I was telling you, Dave, about starting from Broadway dressers and all of that, 
you most people like don't know that and there's so much history you don't it's not all like laid out in front of you it takes a lot of digging there are hardly any documentaries about fire island and part of the re part of the inspiration for doing this was i was so frustrated it's like i wanted to gobble up every piece of media i could find to learn more and see more about the past but it just didn't exist so i mean po i'm not a filmmaker so i can't go out and make a documentary but like podcasting is my medium and so i was like well i guess if anybody's going to do it why not me so but yeah i guess the breakup was I would not be in Fire My My ex, she hated Fire Island. It was too, she was like too bougie for it. What does your ideal Fire Island experience look like now that you're a veteran? My ideal experience, so I'm the rare person that, there. so look, the, the there is this, this long-standing rivalry between Cherry Grove and the Pines because it's always like, ugh, the Pines, ugh, the Grove. Like, you mm -hmm. know, it's, these things play out even in, you know, everything that's like, it's like a microcosm for the United States, like richer or poorer and like the socio socioeconomic differences. And my ideal situation would be to s spend my evening in Cherry Grove, like seeing shows, seeing, I'm seeing Patti Lapone in August, late August in Cherry Grove. Amazing. Like they get great talent over there. So I want to spend my evenings, go to dinner out in Cherry Grove, but I want to wake up in the Pines. Mm. Okay, I like the sound of that. Yeah, you know, I, I we should... Because fundamentally, it's nicer. Right. And the other thing that Brian said that did make me lean in a bit was that there aren't... They don't really have pools in, the, in Cherry Grove. Is that right? Well, ne nearly every house in the Pines has a pool in Cherry Grove because they're smaller. They're cottages. So... Some homes do have pools, but you're not going to find, like, a five-bedroom house. I mean, maybe. Like, there's some new construction, but, like, yeah. Like, I get he, what he's saying is correct. Right. Like, it's rare and special to have a pool. Interesting. Very interesting. Maybe <laughs> next summer is, is going to be the year. Who knows? Um, tell us a little bit about your own coming out journey. Oh, my God. I mean... Well, yeah, I came out when I was 18. You know, I'm 40 now. I came out when I was 18, graduated high school in 2000. And I didn't have really any representation of, like, what a gay woman looked like, aside from, like, Melissa Etheridge and, like, Ellen. Like, that was kind of it. And it really, you know, going back to the real world, I'm telling you, Dave, Genesis from the real world Boston. Do you remember her? Who could forget? She changed my life. Like I was binging the real world Boston, like the summer that like I, maybe I'd come out to like my first two people, but it was like right after the freshman year of college. And like they were, they were airing a marathon and she was the first person that I thought, Oh my God, there's somebody that kind of fit my template a little bit. Like, she, although she was like probably more femmy than I was, but like, I was like, oh, it's not all like Billie Jean King. Like there is, there are other people out there that are like more like me. And she gave, I'm telling you, she gave me the confidence 
to just be like, yeah, I'm gay. Like it was, I had no problem then just telling people because I had truly only her at that point to point to and be like, yeah, like it's cool. Like who could be chicer? And like, remember she was like, talking like she was on you would see her in chat rooms on AOL like talking to trans people like that's me like I was always finding people online I related so deeply to her yeah you know who I wonder about Mm. is the girl in the classroom you know what I'm talking you know what I'm saying for for those who do not there was a scene like they they had them working in like an after-school program or something and Genesis, and oh, I forget her name. Was it Elka or Montana? Um, it was neither. Uh, it was the black woman in the house whose name oh, I don't Camille, remember. Oh, Camila, Camila, who I Camila, who I worship. Camila yes. uh, is is talking to a little a little girl of maybe nine, and the little girl is like, they get into a subject. Uh, they got on the subject of gay people, and the little girl's like, I think that I hate them. This and is what, this like, is well no okay you're taking some creative liberty here this is this is what, what it was <laughs> she didn't say I hate them this is what it was during the filming was right when Ellen's coming out episode aired right and yeah. it was something like my mom she's like yeah my mom told me like we don't like gay people or something like it yeah it was something of it was something related to that episode and like Ellen coming out that's right. Yeah. I don't think she was, we hate gay people. I mean, you were, we're no, I think dramatic. she really, I, I think if you go back, she says, I think that I hate them. It, like not, she, she, it's still sort of, you know, she's not fully going there, but she's like echoing something that she's heard. And, and, uh, it's, it's but heavy, you're, but you're so, and that right. was a kid and you're, she's gotta be, she's 35 now. You're so right. Like, oh, I mean, Grant, thank God she's a child and unnamed yeah. and not recognizable. Like, but oh, but she knows. She knows what she did. She, she knows. knows what she did. She knows. She, but she, she's, she exists somewhere. God but she willing. can't be. Anyway. She can't be canceled in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty three. No, she can't. She can't. And they're not going to do a real world homecoming of Boston because Sean is now, uh, is now in in Congress or was. I'm disappointed that they canceled real world homecoming. Yeah, and took it off I the think, service completely. I think. I don't think you could even watch it. Did they? Yeah, it had to do. It had to do with the Paramount Showtime merger. Mm. I think whatever budget cuts, yada yada. But the I was, I mean, because I've become really close with um, Danny Roberts and Melissa Beck, we were like really brainstorming a way to like keep this going and like Melissa wanted to like produce like they the product producers like really loved her they're like you have a knack for this she's like I will come on as a producer like I will like get this going but then they pulled the plug but what would have been your picks for the next homecoming if it had happened wow wow I mean, we, we uh, San Francisco seems like an obvious one, it, right? I mean, yeah. It, but is there a show? Is there a show without without Pedro? Right. Without Pedro. You, well, is Puck still uh, with us? Puck is with us. I, I feel like it's worth checking in on Puck. Song. And you're right. Is, is there a show without Pedro? But it's uh, even having them come together to memorialize Pedro feels meaningful. Mm-hmm. But I'm also more interested in like kind of a 
real world version of Ultimate Girls Trip. Um, I mean, not not a not a challenge type of thing, but something that is maybe an all stars cast because then you can bring Danny and Melissa right. back. Maybe then we can get Eric into the mix. You know, actually, mm-hmm. uh, COVID free. Yeah. Um, that yeah. is, yeah. I'm, I'm real. I'm, re- I'm remembering now. Melissa said that's what they should do. That's what they, they should, should do. Get, she, she used to be really good friends with Coral. They were roommates and best friends, and some drama went down between them, and they're no longer tight. She said, "If you put me and Coral in house, she goes fireworks. You got a show." Because yeah. they because they have history. Yeah, sure, sure. Unlike Housewives, they have history. Exactly, right. Yeah. The the trouble with getting whole cast is that there will always be one holdout. Like Rachel would never come back to do Real World Homecoming San Francisco because she wants to, she's on Fox News, and Sean won't do it for Boston because he's trying right. to have a career in that way. And like all of them have like holdouts. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, mix it up. Mix remix. Uh, you, Remix, remaster. You know, speaking of Danny, that he was on, he was on this show with Melissa. It was, which was, blew my mind um, that somebody who was so formative for me what, that I got to talk to him. But then that we became like Instagram buddies and that we still like chat sometimes. He's so sweet, and that is someone who I am still starstruck by in every interaction we have. Which makes me wonder if you have ever gotten to interview Genesis or, or tell Genesis what she meant to you. Okay, so he, this is the gag of my life. So I've been doing my podcast for years and like, yeah, like I used to focus on a lot of reality people, housewives, and then I was interviewing a lot of real worlders. Interview Danny and we had like great chemistry. We get off, I'm like, you know, oh, the one I really want is Genesis. Like there's something like deep here, like this woman changed my life. He's like, oh, I'll make it happen. I'll make it happen. And I had reached out to her and she had said, she's like, I would love to do it. She's like, I hate the sound of my voice. She's like, I don't, won't even do podcasts that are like, you know, industry people, like friends of hers who like mm-hmm. do. She's like, I, she's like, I've never done a podcast. and like, I just don't like my speaking voice. I'm like, oh my God. So kind of gave up. I went on to interview Camila and, oh my God, Mohammed from San Francisco and a lot of other like, interesting people. Out of nowhere, like literally a year and a half later, I get a DM from Genesis saying, hey Jess, I'm ready, let's do oh, it. Oh shit. And... We did it. I'm like, I couldn't have like scheduled the Zoom fast enough. And we did it. And it was, we talked about all of it. Like everything we've talked about here, like that girl with the Ellen, just every, and then we got into like fun stuff, like talking about the L word and like just more pop culture-y stuff. But like we went through everything. And that was like, a when people were like, oh, who would be like your dream guest? Like she, until I got her, I was like, she's the one. Because I thought it wasn't an option. Yeah. And she was so form like actually formative for me personally. And I'm sure a lot of other gay girls out there at that time. She was different. Yeah. You know? And it speaks to your professionalism, I guess, that you were able to do it without imploding. You know, that they, <laughs> like there are <laughs> moments when you're talking to someone like that that you're just sort of floating above your body. Um 
probably the, the way I'll be behaving on Watch What Happens next week. Um, but who have your, who have the other like sort of biggest gets been the conversations that you're like, I can't believe I got to talk to this person. I mean, the big, the one that, um, I think garnered, garnered the most notoriety and like, is like sort of viral and people will come up to, to me on the street. Somehow the, the, the gay algorithm like works this on YouTube. I interviewed Rosie and she was like everything to me, like Rosie O'Donnell show growing up and, you know, I've listened to every interview she's ever done. Like, I knew what areas to go in. You know, like, the Madonna connection. I'm also a huge Madonna fan. I'm also a huge Sandra Bernhard fan. And so, I, you know, my style is very, it, it's very unique. I'm, you know, it's digging into areas that they're not asked about often. And so I'd say, like, Rosie, I've interviewed Sandra Bernhard a few times. Like I used to be a writer and then, but getting her to do the podcast and having the video and like talking about that infamous Letterman appearance where where's her and Madonna wearing the matchy, the matching like, you know, denim shorts and the white top. Mm -hmm. And she was willing to like go there with me. Who else has been great? Oh, we're like a dream guest. I would say, I mean, those are the ones that like immediately yeah. come to mind. By the way, as a big Madonna fan, how are you feeling about where she's at currently? I wish she, somebody like Madonna should not have Instagram. Mm. Or she should just have somebody running it. She shouldn't have the password. And it seems like she does. She's writing her own captions. You're getting all of the weird spacing and the weird, uh, you know, typos. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was, yeah, I think, listen, I will always love Madonna. She will always be my number one for life. But how do I wrap my head around her injecting all that stuff into her ass? Yeah. Like, and like the boot, the big boobs, like we know what you look like. You were the most beautiful, like she had the most gorgeous body, like a dancer's body. Like why? So I think. Yeah. It's very hard for me to like, <laughs> you know, get, listen, if this wasn't Madonna, I, I don't know. I don't engage with the Instagram. I ignore a lot of it. Listen, I love the Madame X tour. The, did you see the theater tour? I, my husband did. I didn't. It, it, yeah, and he loved it. It was phenomenal. Um, I think she's still an incredible live performer. The music doesn't quit. Like, that will be there forever. Do I need the kooky thing that she's turned into? No. Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I, I yeah. mean, as I said, like, I, I hope to be a, a future client of Dr. Dubrow's. So I'm all for doing whatever you want to do in terms of body modification. But I can't help but long for the idea of what Madonna would look like naturally at this age and what she would represent naturally it's you know so we're not we're just not going to get yes. to we're not going to get to meet that person that that's exactly it like I, I want to see like she always had such a unique look like she never touched her nose thank god like she always had you know these these like dark italian features like i would love to see what she looks like today yeah yeah she's yeah. under there somewhere but you know what's interesting? If you follow Lourdes, she looks exactly like her right. at that age. That is interesting. Yeah, you're right. God, Lourdes is so beautiful. Yeah. 
Um, we were going to see her in New York in a couple weeks, and that's obviously not happening. Um, yeah. Hopefully, one of these days. But wait, okay, wait, Dave. I want to yes. hear your. I want to hear your Fire Island experiences, and and then I want to hear about your plan okay. for the fall because I do a, the final episode okay. is all about the off season. Like I interview year rounders, and it's okay. all about. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, all right. So I have uh, I have friends who um, would go there every year and stay at a bed and breakfast way at the end of the pines. Uh, I think it's just called the Fire Island Pines Bed and Breakfast. And uh, I was in town. This probably goes back 10 years. Uh, and like midweek, they were just like, come out for a night. I had a night free and they were like, just come out. And it's like, it's very loose in this bed and breakfast. They were like, you can sleep on the couch if you want to and whatever. So I was like, terrific. So I took the train out to somewhere on Long Island and and I and I saw that there were several ferries that went across. But I was like, I want to get off this train and on a ferry. And then I'll just like, I'll get out and I'll walk. So uh, so I took the first ferry that I could and it went across. And, and like as it pulled in, I heard like Margaritaville and it was a bunch of like middle-aged straight white people. You wound up in the straight sections, yes. <laughs> I did. I did. And and I was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. This is not this is not what I have come to expect. And I bumped into someone I knew there and I told him where I was trying to go and he was like, You are nowhere near there and it'll take you like three hours to walk there. So get on the water taxi. So I was like, fine. So I got on the water taxi and uh and it hit every stop on the way up, which was great. Um and so I got to see how it all changes. And even that took like an hour to get from one end to the other. But then I finally got up to, uh, to Fire Island, you know, had dinner with my friends at this like bed and breakfast because the, the guy who owns it like cooks dinner for everybody. And it was like a real, you know, it was um, a pretty low impact summer pines experience. It's a little older. It was not like thumping, thumping. Everybody had their shirt on. It was like it was, you know. So um, that was that was fun. And then I just like went up to the roof with my friends and we had a Bluetooth speaker and we just hung out. Um, and then I've been back and only midweek and I've only stayed at that bed and breakfast. Um, I had been out a couple of years ago and we uh, we had dinner and then we took the water taxi out to Cherry Grove to the underwear party at the Ice Palace. Did you get into great. your underwear? It was super fun. I did not. Oh, in fact, it wasn't the underwear party. It was uh, it was like show your dick for a dollar off a Miller Lite or whatever. And I was like, well, that's I'm just gonna pay. Wait, dollar. so wait, so what did you think? Of, what is, <coughs> did, did my did my assessment of the pines versus the grove? Like, do you sign off on that? Like, since you've seen absolutely, both? I do. Yes, I do. Like, what do. was what yeah. was your interpretation of the grove versus the pines? Um, the, there were parts of the pines that I really loved. I love the sip and twirl. I love the tea dance. Um, but you know, I am used to, uh, there being an element of the gay community that where I'm just like, I don't, I can't, I can't compete. I do not have the body. I will not have the body. And I just don't like, I have to figure out how to find my way through it. That was Chelsea when I lived in New York in the nineties and it was very much the pines. And so there, there were parts of it that I was like, I'm just not going to go through that. I'm not going to, you know, I guess I did hang out at the beach, but, you know, whatever. Like the 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 jimmier parts of it, I 
avoided. But I did love the tea dance and all that kind of thing. But I, fa- I found that it was like, eh, the Pines is probably going to, you know, uh, not be my vibe. Um, but Cherry Grove was a lot of fun. And it, and it was where all, like, it was where the Broadway people were performing. You know, totally. it was where, like, you would see, you know, Kristen Chenoweth would be doing, like, a 7 o'clock show or whatever. And it, it seemed... It, it was much more, it was like queer in spirit in the way that I yes, liked. Yes, yeah. Um, but I was. I, I will tell you, Ben and I were very upset because we took the water taxi to Cherry Grove with a couple people from the B&B. And we were sort of in charge of them for the night. And they got real drunk. And we had to kind of, uh, we missed the last water taxi back. And so we had, we held them. Um, all the way back to uh, the bed and breakfast. And so we didn't really get to explore the meat rack the the way that I was hoping that we would. So I was just going to ask, did you walk along the beach? Like, did you get them back? Did you walk along the beach? Or I was going to say, did you go through the meat rack? Yeah, we mostly did the beach. Um, And is the meat rack, I mean, because Jess, you're in P-Town as we speak, is the meat rack analogous to the dick dock? (laughs) It is. Well... The dick dock is is just like a it's like under the the um the boat slip. Mm-hmm. The it is analogous to like the rambles in Central Park or like the piers on Christopher Street, but the difference is the meat rack like is you know it's like a mile long stretch. It's the literal connective tissue between the pines and the grove. Like you can walk through to get from one end to the other, or you can just walk along the beach, or you can take the water taxi, and the meat rack has a very storied history in itself. And yeah, it was just known a very known place where you can go for anonymous sex. And we talk a lot about, you know, we get into the meat. You know, it's funny when I was putting the series, I was together. I was like, where? It's like I have the whole outline for the series. Like I had, you know, a lot of it. My stuff is all scripted because it's based in history and I'm doing the voiceover. And I was like, where the heck? It's like I have all this content around the meat rack. Where does it fit? Like what episode? And then I realized it's actually in every episode mm. because it's always when we t- when we're talking about yeah, like it's it's constantly referenced. And even in, um, in a later episode of the series, which we talk about how the AIDS epidemic was felt on fire, like they called Fire Island Ground Zero for the AIDS epidemic, and something that comes up is well if this is ground zero for the aids epidemic one would have to think one would question well what role did the meat rack play in the spread of aids yeah and we we don't shy away from that like we and the the interesting thing is the men who were sick they wanted their ashes spread in the meat rack like roses were placed down there. Like it was in 1980. I talked to a guy who was there in 1985. He's like, when I arrived in 85, there were roses all along the meat rack. Like the men still held that place sacred because it was where they could explore their sexuality. You know, it's a place where they could meet more, you know, because it, it was still a time where not everybody was out. So a lot of it was like secret of people who weren't out in their day-to-day lives they could come to fire island and kind of have these sexual experiences and learn who they were sexually so it's interesting the meat rack plays a very interesting role in the whole thing as it would yeah i cannot wait to listen 
Jess, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I think you would. Di- yeah, thank you, Dave. I think you would dig it. It's very. It covers like a lot of. It's doing a lot. I think you would really. It's like doing it. a lot. It's so well done. Congratulations. And and I, I is is there a chance that you'll do a season two? I don't know. People have asked me that. I'm just not sure where. Like what? What? It, what is season two? Right. It's so thorough. It, it seems season two would probably have to. You'd have to just. It'd have to be a present day. You know. Covering your next trip. Yeah. If we need to go and stir up some drama just ah, to like have a storyline, I'm willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll is produce it a little bit. Us? Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you so much. Homophilia is a World of Wonder podcast produced and engineered by Renee Colvert. Our theme song is by Ben Wise. We want to thank Michael Pressman and everybody at World of Wonder. Please follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at Pod. And if you would, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Sure, I appreciate it.